this die that I'm using is like, um, I, you know how dice generally kind of feel, um, kind of like they're, they're made out of, I don't know, stone or something like that. Like they're, they're weighty most of the time. They're like glossy. They feel like a solid piece of stone, right? Like a die that yeah. you roll. This feels like it's hollow. It feels like it's a die made out of plastic that's hollow. And it doesn't even sound right when I'm rolling it. It's the perfect die, really, for this wow. show of a show. It's the perfect die. All right, cool. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, a lifestyle podcast about how to be a grown-up gamer and still go to work and get sleep. With your hosts, Cody Goff, and Jonathan Martin. You're going to be my meat in my Jonathan sandwich. Check out our website at gamelifebalance.us, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and more. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in three... Welcome to Game Life Balance U.S. I'm Cody Goff. This is Jonathan Martin. He is rolling a die. Why are, you ta- why are you talking like that? We have Tell m- the audience why, Jonathan Martin. I literally co-host. have no idea. That is why I asked you why you were talking Why like you're that. rolling a die? No, I said tell them why you're rolling the die. I'm rolling a die because on this episode of Game Life Balance US, we are... The American go- edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. We are going to be picking the next game that we review off of the SNES Classic, which the first game review will be happening right here on this episode of this show. So when we're done, we took nominations for the next game that we're going to be playing, and I'm going to roll a die to figure out uh, this really crummy, crappy die. I'm going to be rolling this die to figure out what game we're playing next. Yeah, before we get into Star Fox and Star Fox 2 this week, explain exactly how a die can be crappy. So what I was telling you before this podcast started is, you know how generally dice kind of have a, a weight or heft to them? They kind of feel like they're carved out of possibly carved out of a solid piece of stone and then the pips are then maybe they kind of usually feel like they're put on you know individually with with love and care right this die feels hollow it feels like Mm. i could i could crush it with my fingers and when it rolls it makes kind of a hollow rolling sound it's kind of a piece of garbage so it's the perfect die for us to roll Hmm. well I can't argue with that. Yeah. Yes, and today we are going to review. So, yeah, John, and if in case you missed our first episode back after a six-month hiatus earlier in the year, John and I are going to review every SNES Classic game. And we decide which one to review next based on your nomination. So follow us uh, on Twitter. I'm at Producer Cody. He's at Eat Play Game. And the first winner was, was well, technically the first nomination we chose was Star Fox 2. But Even in order though to- most of the votes were for Super Castlevania 4. So it's not votes, it's nominations. Well, except for the role-playing games, which we'll get to later. And Star Fox 2, you can't play 
until you've beaten the first level of the first Star Fox. Right. So it wouldn't make sense for us to play level one of Star Fox and then review just Star Fox 2. So we figured we would just review both of them. And not to mention, neither of us had played Star Fox 2, but in retrospect, and we I'm sure we'll talk about this, there was no way, I feel, to make maybe a full episode out of Star Fox 2. Because that game was very obviously not a finished game. Okay, you're wrong, actually. It is a finished game. So I looked into I've been looking a bunch into the background of this game. Look, we can game, we can we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm just saying felt like a non-finished game. We're getting there right now. This is literally the like we're start we started the but, podcast. But don't don't you start with Star Fox 1 and then slowly move into Star Fox 2 or maybe even jump into Star Fox 2 beyond Star Fox 1? Shouldn't you start with Star Fox 1? I mean, okay, let's that's talk, fine. Yeah, we will. Let's talk Star Fox. We one. will. All right, that's 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 fine. All right, well, well, first, yeah, okay, that that's fine. That's fine. Also, if you subscribe to us on iTunes or any feed or YouTube or whatever, John has been doing a series, a little mini series, on the side of our main podcast called Retrospective. And I don't know why I keep pointing at the camera, but he's reviewing a bunch of retro games as he finishes them this year, and it's really cool. And he did Final Fantasy, but we'll talk about that later. But, um. That's a really cool side thing that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so so back to Star Fox though, which is, you know, kind of the point of our podcast today. So this was our first foray into the SNES Classic. F- f- uh kind of precursor to start off here. This is probably I I think I've played every game that's on the SNES Classic except for maybe Kirby's Dream Course, that might be the only one that I haven't played before. Uh but this is probably i would say it might be the worst set of games on this console now that being said i'm not saying that doesn't mean that i'm saying that they're bad games i probably won't ever play them again after after playing through them this time but of the games that are on this particular console i think they are probably the weakest of all of them so the reason i brought up your side miniseries retrospective is because i'm also doing a side project along with this that ties into what you just said about what we've played and what we haven't played sure so for i i've determined that i grew up with and have played i've I've either played a little bit but mostly grew up with a significant amount of 14 of the 20 or 21 games on the snas classic so I thought to myself, I'm going to be playing these games anyway and reviewing them. And it's be weird for my wife to see me playing these 20-year-old games with no context. So what might be fun is when I start to play a game, once we begin the review process for a game, I will stream an hour of me playing the start of the game and kind of giving her an introduction to it sure. and being like, hey, here's what this game is and why I like it and why it's what, what why it's special to me or why it's not special to me and kind of talking about the games of the times and things like that. And Star Fox is funny because Star Fox 64 is one of my favorite video games ever made. I think it is the best Nintendo 64 game, including Ocarina of Time. I know that's controversial, and I'm not just saying that to be controversial. Like, I really legitimately... No, that system had a lot of bad games, and I uh, I can definitely see an argument for Star Fox 64 being the best one on there. 
It was so good. Yeah. No, but there were good games too, but I, I was my favorite. So my relationship with the Star Fox franchise is pretty great, but I missed a little bit of that SNES era of Star Fox. So I, I didn't I didn't own the game at any point, did you? Yes. Oh, you did? I did. I actually have a pretty extensive history with the original Star Fox and much less so with Star Fox 64. Okay, so let's talk let's talk about the his, our personal histories with the game before we talk about the actual history of the game and what we feel about it now. So did you have it for like ever and play it all the time or was it I did. So before I had I actually had Star Fox from I believe I got it right around release because I had been following it in the various magazines that I was subscribed to at the time. And I remember thinking, holy crap, this is like a three, this is a 3D game on the Super Nintendo. And I never had a PC that could play games like TIE Fighter, other 3D space type games um, that some of our other friends played at the time. I never had any experience with that. So for me, when I saw the photos of this, it kind of felt like this is my chance to take a look at this like 3D space uh, shooting type game. So I want this and I got it. I got it at like release. And I remember playing it through the first time. um, And I, I don't remember specifically, but I do remember feeling like, man, that game was like super short, like crazy short (laughs) for, for like a brand new game. Because keep in mind that this came out middle to late part of the super Nintendo of the super Nintendo's life. Right, because they had to. I mean, it had the the extra chip in the cartridge, the Super FX chip. That's what gave it the ability to even render polygons. Um, and it, only I think two other games used that before Star Fox Two was going to use it. Not many. Well, I could be thinking of a different thing, but I, it might only have been that few of games. Um, and they're just there. There wasn't a lot. It felt even at the time to me, my dumb twelve-year-old itself it even felt at that point that there just wasn't a lot to the game that's just what it felt like from the get-go so jumping into it again and playing through it again I sat down one morning as you know I game in very early hours of the morning and I was like okay I'm gonna start this I'm gonna like I'm gonna get into this I'm gonna kind of get a feel for what I'm gonna get myself into over the next couple of weeks because we're giving ourselves two weeks for most of these games and I sat down with it, and I literally went start to finish in 45 minutes from the, the minute that I sat down uh, at the start of the game. And now, this game is is old now, so <laughs> game, if gaming sensibilities back then were a much, they were a different thing. Like, uh, games were, were, I think, a lot of times striving for a different thing than what games are striving for now. I think that's very fair and easy, it's an easy thing to say, but... It just feel it felt so thin playing through it again, um, and I just I don't I don't really have it, it. It felt thin and it felt not that fun to play. Hmm. And I which re- route did you take? I took the first time that I played through. I took the first route straight through the middle, and then I played through it again and took the second route, which was the bottom route. And I made it about halfway in and died and said that wasn't fun. I don't want to do that again, so I'm not going to. Because a lot of the difficulty I find in the original Star Fox here comes from the simple fact that you, you kind of can't tell what's going on a lot of the time. <laughs> and, and the R-Wing is so unresponsive to what you want it to do that even, like, 
it just the side of your wing will clip something that's falling down and it will look like you were not close to it at all as you're flying by it or trying to boost your r-wing by it the r-wing is the name of the ship in this game when you're trying to boost by it and it just it it hits it and then your wing falls off and any upgrades you have you lose and those are gone until you can get them again if you ever have the opportunity to get them again which is very difficult because just like in most shooters you end up back at square one without any upgrades at later levels of the game and then you don't have powerful enough weapons to push on through those harder levels because you're supposed to go into those levels with upgrades i mean it's got Mm -hmm. you know it's got like the standard shoot uh kind of shooter flaws as well in in that respect but just i i understand that they were trying so hard to make this this 3d looking thing on a console and in that respect it it totally works right like like it's a 3d game on a console that was not meant to play 3d games but at this point now, with with where video games have gone over the past 25 years, it's so much more of like an academic exercise to play this game than it is to anything that holds up, I feel like, as something that can be en- actually enjoyed uh, today. That's kind of yeah, that's kind of I mean, where I'm at for it. That makes sense. Yeah. And for, for some full background, if, if the listener doesn't know, this was released in North America in March 1993. It is, as John mentioned, a shoot 'em up starring anthropomorphic animals. You are Fox McCloud, and your wingmen are Falco, a bird, Peppy, a rabbit, and Slippy, a frog. And they make stupid sound effects when they talk. Yeah, but let's, I mean, give that some historical context too, right? Up until that point, there was no speech in games, in console games, other than the start of a round of Street Fighter 2 where the guy goes, fight! That's like, that's mm-hmm. it, right? That's all you've gotten up to this point. Little things like that. So this is, yeah. this is supposedly like a voice. There's, there is a voice of, what's the dog admiral's name admiral dogface sergeant pepper sergeant pepper yeah so admiral pepper so admiral pepper at the start of the mission goes good luck right like so like there's there's speech in here but that was mind-blowing back then because there was no speech in any video game that you were that you were playing right right i love when he says good luck but my this is one of those things where the looking through the lens of history is really obscure because what does falco say in this game uh, he's is it is he the one that no beep 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 is is slippy is he babubu jamming see he he's bumblebee jamming bumblebee jamming yeah okay and you know it's funny i tweeted bumblebee all right so first of all if you search for bumblebee jamming on google with uh, either by itself or with any combination of star fox quotes do you, you leave wait a minute a wait a minute do you leave safe search off oh i don't i don't usually leave safe search <laughs> on uh but you can't. It, it, there's no results, if which is really bizarre because, because yeah, like John said, they they make these little like why not why not I think Pep, I think Slippy's is more of like a or something like that. But it sounds like Falco is saying Bumblebee German, and it's really him just being like he's not really saying anything. But I tweeted Bumblebee German at. Alex Quigley, he's a radio host in the Chicago area. He used to be my boss at WGN. And he's the one that nominated that we that we review Star Fox 2. So, Alex, if you're checking this out, thanks. And I tweeted Bumblebee jamming at Alex, and he had an insane reaction because he's like, how have we all heard the same thing? And he said that he and his friends used to say that all the time. So it's like a universally accepted truth 
just in the ether somewhere that he is saying Bumblebee jamming. And I'm not sure why I bring this up. I'm sure there was a point. I don't think you, I actually don't think you had a point at all. I probably didn't have a point. Um, but but yeah, the voices. But anyway, Star Fox 64 is my favorite game because there are voices throughout the whole thing, which obviously that's further technology. But it's it's like so memorable. And I mean, it's not. But look, it's not that much further, right? It's one. It's one console after the Super Nintendo. In fact, I it was probably 96. It was probably only a couple years later that Star Fox 64 came out. And that game, the reason why it was so good, I don't think it does a ton of stuff different than these first iterations of Star Fox. It just has the ability, because the technology is so much better, that the game just plays better. If these games, if Star Fox and Star Fox 2 both played the way that Star Fox 64 did, I have no doubt that they would actually still be fun to play. Yeah, the whole- yeah. But well, the reason I was talking about the lens of history and the voices is because, in spite of how distinctly all of us remember Bumblebee Jammin, when I was playing through Star Fox this time, I did not even notice the voices at any point. Like I was vaguely aware that they were talking at the bottom of the screen, but it was—it's kind of—it's not—it doesn't jump out at you. It's—it must have been one of those things where if we were little. It was the coolest thing that we had these little wingmen pop up and make this sound effect. But as adults, for some reason, at least for me, I like I can't tell you a single thing any of my wingmen said at any point in the game at all whatsoever. Other than Fox, there's a guy on me. Fox, get this guy off me. Fox, that was one of ours. Fox, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Other than your wingmen complaining that they need your help uh, and then, saving them. And then Falco being upset that you save him because he's a jerk. <laughs> also, every time I saved a wingman, every single time I would shoot them a bunch of times. Yeah, and in that game, what does it even do? Like, what does it do with your... I don't know. Yeah, nothing. It does nothing, right? It does nothing. I I don't know. The, so, what? What? you didn't play this game as a kid, but you knew Bumblebee Jammin' for whatever reason. What was your experience mm-hmm. playing it now? I've played it in the past. I just didn't grow up with it. Like, it's not a game I owned or played a lot of. My experience, I remember the game being infuriatingly hard, especially when you get to Venom. I think maybe I beat the hard route once when I was little, potentially, maybe during a rental or if I borrowed it or something. But all I remember is that when you get to Venom, the game is really, really hard. Okay. And that totally was still the case. In fact, the whole game was hard. In fact, the first playthrough, I took the middle route, used all my continues before I got to Venom, and then died at Venom and okay. had to replay the whole game. And it was a nightmare. Then I tried to take Route 2, and I died on the... I couldn't get past the first level. Route 2 is the then, bottom <laughs> route, right? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Route 3 is the bottom. Route 2 is the top. Route 2, I got to the second level and died. Route 3... I started. I got. I couldn't get past anything. Yeah, I couldn't get past route Bastard three. Field. Route three was the one where I got about halfway into that route and then just quit because I. I said this just isn't. This just isn't fun. There's no continues either on route three. Right. By the way. Yeah. Which is infuriating. It's. It's. I mean, I, I think there is some replay value in that there are varying difficulty levels. Well, but... and the levels are different. I mean, that's a cool thing. Like, that's a cool thing that the different routes, the levels have, they change up the levels in some way. So that's kind of cool. Right. So, yeah, um, that's... But overall, overall, you didn't find it that enjoyable either, right? 
overall, I just it was too hard, and the and the, it was it wasn't it wasn't hard in a way that nin, it's usually like nin, Nintendo hard is a type of hard where if you mess up or you die, it's probably your fault. And we've talked about this in the past with play control, as they used to call it, uh, in many games and your ability to play the game, uh, the the control you have. Um, tight controls, things like that, fair think, situations. Think like Mega Man, right? Yeah, like Mega Man, right? Or like Mega, Dark Souls, Mega Man. Mega Man always goes exactly where you tell him to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, this game, no. Like, I was in the asteroid field. I I played the asteroid field several times, and I would go through a ring, let's say, that was a checkpoint, and it just wouldn't register. Right. Or I would pick up a power-up, and it wouldn't register. And there's also very little recovery time. What's it called when you get hit in a game, and then you're, you're temporarily Invinci- invincible? Invincibility frames. Yeah, invincibility frames. There are, like, none. Shoot. If you fly into a wall in this game and you hit it, like, you can hit it. I mean, you can lose your, all of your health by just hitting a wall. Yeah, and now, listener, keep in mind, too, that this is all happening. And the the game, and this is not an exaggeration, the game is playing somewhere between 10 and 20 frames per second, depending on what's going on on screen. Like, it is, it it chugs in a way that you you just do not see any modern games doing. and And this is not a... This, that's not an indictment at all on N- Nintendo at the time. I mean, they were literally taking something that kind of wasn't meant <laughs> to be put on the system and putting it on the system with whatever way they could. So it was expected to be kind of like technically flawed, but it just it makes it it makes it feel so sluggish and unresponsive. That's kind of what I felt. Yeah, really unresponsive and. The D-pad versus the joystick, oh my god, hitting anything with any amount of accuracy is really hard. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I think, we and we've also talked about this before, the Final Fantasy games. Like, if you go back and play Final Fantasy VII right now, despite it being an overall pretty good game with good play control, the graphics do not hold up. Oh no, that's a hard game to look at. It's a really hard game to look at, despite being one of the best games of all time. GoldenEye is literally unplayable. <laughs> yeah, it is. Perfect Dark, I feel like you can still you can still play Perfect Dark, but I, you cannot play Gold. I agree. You cannot play GoldenEye again. Like me personally, I can still play Perfect Dark? No, I'm Were saying you, you, can permission, look at, you can look at Perfect Dark. Well, no, you can't because you are terrible at that game. But other people can <laughs> still... That's a lie. I was so good at Proximity Mines. Sure. You're amazing. Anyway... Uh, I, I just think that like those games, and actually Casey made this remark when she was watching me play. She said that as a viewing experience, it was extremely unpleasant to look at. And I told her that this will probably be the least palatable For sure. game in terms it's of not what even, it looks like. Yeah, it's not even it's not even a, a question, right? Because everything else that is on the SNES Classic past Star Fox is all sprite-based graphics. It's all sprite art. Which all not Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, that is kind of a weird one. But even even that isn't quite it's not nearly the same as what Star Fox is and what Star Fox was trying to do. It doesn't go full three D. Correct. Right, you never go full 3D. Everybody knows that. Never go full. Never 3D. go full 3D. So everything else on this system is going to be much more enjoyable to look at. Not necessarily play. I don't know. I would think so, but not necessarily. Yeah, we'll we'll find out in this journey of the imagination. Meanwhile, what would you give this game? On a scale of, I would give it a I don't know a thirteen out of twenty. Probably like 
31 and a half. I don't know. Wow, okay. It, it's it's tough to say. It's tough to say because if I was like if if I'm trying to take in if I'm trying to take in all of the like all of the context surrounding the game, trying to keep in mind what the game was trying to do at the time, it's a it's a marvel, right? It's a marvel for 1993 on a home console. But but playing it now, if we want to look at these games as says are they enjoyable now? I'm just going to say it's a thumbs down. Like, don't even bother. Yeah, no, I mean, the Apple the Apple IIe was an innovative thing yeah. for its time and revolutionized everything, but it's not like I'm going to try to run Photoshop or record no, a podcast No, I'm going to say thumbs it. down, I mean, don't bother with it. Like, don't... Yeah, I just... I, I mean, I think that the way we should review it is, did it withstand the test of time? Sure. And I think with Star Fox, me personally, I think it's a resounding no. No, and I I agree with you. It is It is a no for me as well. All right, so no to Star Fox. I mean, if I had to give it like a 10-pointer, I'd give it 5 out of 10, probably. But again, I'm bad at it, by the way. And you can watch, uh, if you subscribe to us on Twitch TV at twitch.tv slash gamelifebalance, I am broadcasting there. every. The plan is every weekend or two that Casey and I will just broadcast like an hour of each game right. and hopefully brand it SNES Classic Coffee and just do it in the morning and you can usually view past broadcasts for a couple weeks i'll eventually put them over on youtube too um very nice excuse me. um thank you but i i do want to uh, mention one thing that is ex- especially one particularly entertaining thing about casey is that she observes things about games that I would never in my life notice ever. Well, yeah, like, yeah, because she does not have nearly the gaming vocabulary. Well, she has no gaming vocabulary compared to people like us that have grown up with games, right? We just kind no, of none. We kind of accept these dumb things that video games do because they're video games. Well, we also kind of have tunnel vision. Um, so there's actually a story about um, Dungeons and Dragons and some psychology study that they did with like men and women playing Dungeons and Dragons. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast like years ago, probably, but. They had a bunch of men playing, a bunch of women playing. When put in the same scenario, let's say they come across a traveler who is like injured or something. The males who are gamers and and have been conditioned to have a gaming mindset will run over and they'll ask immediately like, kill you know, the guy. Where, right. Well, there's well, there's where's the attacker? Can we loot the body? Um, you know, search around for enemies, things like that. Whereas the women will take a more compassionate approach and be like, "Oh, are you hurt?" And then like ask how the person is and nurse them to health and, and just do more like kind of human based things. And it, it it's it's just because the male gamers will typically see like, "Oh, here's an objective. Here's you know, here's a plot point," and they see it a little bit more of just like an object. Whereas like the uh the non-gamer females will see it as more of a, just like a thing so my example for my gaming experience is playing civilization Sid Meier's civilization 5 i i just play that game and you have a lot of resources and stuff and in case he just goes what are those foxes and i'm like what are you talking about and one of the resources is is furs right. that you can get for your city and there are all these little foxes running around and i had like i just it didn't occur to me that there are actual foxes on the screen. It's just like, oh, that's there, and that's just the way it no, is. No, you go to the and fur that- mine, and you take your pickaxe, and you mine the walls of the fur mine, and you just grab the fur and put it in a big wheelbarrow and just wheel it to your civilization. Exactly, right? So to me, that represents a resource. To her, she actually sees what's there, and that's the foxes. So it's kind of like seeing what's in front of you versus what it represents. Oh, and, and who's the main character of this game? 
It's Star Fox. It's Star Fox. See, you brought it back. That was good. That was good. So I, was, I, I was just using... I was, uh, that no, was, that was perfect. I see what you're doing. That was me promoting my hilarious Twitch stream with my zany girl. That's That's formal training, isn't it? Thank you. But... To bring it back around, she did make a observation about Star Fox that I will never be able to unsee, and that is that every piece of text ends with two exclamation points. <laughs> Not I, one. I, I certainly didn't notice that. And now you can never unsee it. That's okay. That's there good because I'll never single... play the game again. <laughs> There is not a single instance in Star Fox where they use a single exclamation point. It is always two exclamation points. So good luck unseeing that if you ever see it. Well, I mean, that is for emphasis, right? For extra emphasis. You're trying to save Corneria. So no, everyone does this. And so other people are trying to blow up Corneria. It's a very serious situation. It's not that serious. They are talking animals. Anthropomorphic. They are anthrop- They're not they furries. They are anthropomorphic. I can't. Anthropomorphic animals. Yes, that's true. Right. All right. So we don't like Star Fox. Now let's talk about Star Fox 2. Yeah, let's talk about how it's it's pretty much just kind of the same badness, right? It's just, right. it's it's a different thing. It's a complete... We got to give background on this, though. Uh, so Star Fox 2 was never released... Ever. Ever. There's some cool stuff. Yeah. There's some cool stuff about this game. One, the game was never never released. That is really cool that for the first time it has been kind of officially released to the public. Now, there have been ROMs that have since that have been hacked before this that have been released to public for for download and, and to be able to be played, but I think that those were kind of half completed ROMs because there was never a completed version anywhere. So even so those there was a completed version, but there was never a leaked completed version. So I did some research into this. An alpha build was released online, and then a more completed version was okay. released online. The final product was finished in 1995. However, Nintendo didn't want to release the game so close to the launch of the Nintendo 64, which it originally had planned on releasing later that year. And then got delayed not for knowing, an extra year. Right, it got delayed until 1996 is when you saw the launch of the Nintendo 64. The other reason is that Nintendo, like once they realized it was going to be pushed back, Nintendo realized that they didn't want to release another 3D game and try to compete with Sony PlayStation, which was out on the market at the time and already pushing 3D much, much further than what Star Fox 2 would have done. And so even though it was completed in June-ish of 1995, it was just never released because they didn't think that it would sell, et cetera, and things like that. Put in the Disney vault. So, right, put in the Disney vault. So technically it was finished, um, but you are right. No fully playable version of it has been put out or leaked or distributed before now. This is the first time any total version has been made available to the best of my understanding. So again, as like an academic type exercise, even though the game kind of plays the same way as the original Star Fox, it is still really cool and fascinating as people who grew up with video games, specifically like Nintendo systems, to be able to play it for the first time ever and kind of be experiencing it for the first time ever with everybody else that's playing that got an SNES Classic. That's kind of cool. But you don't sound like you were particularly overwhelmed by it because the game wasn't good so the game 
plays the problem. Okay, so if my big problem with the original Star Fox is that it doesn't play well, if you give me a game that is that drops even more frames, that is even slower <laughs> and even more of a jumbled mess when it comes to kind of visual noise on the screen, it's just going to be a worse game. Even if you even if the shell surrounding the game is super interesting, especially in the context of being a game from 1995. This game is was way ahead of its time because it's a it's a roguelike. It's a roguelike shooter, which didn't ex- roguelikes didn't exist at that point. Certainly not on consoles. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I mean, there's still only a certain a finite. There's a finite number of planets on the screen that are always static. And there, there's a finite number of, of enemy cruisers and things. Do you, would you still call that a roguelike? Yeah, because the, the encounters are different. So the encounters, when you encounter one of those random marauding parties, you don't always encounter like a member of Team Star Wolf. That only happens at certain times. And, it, and it's randomized. Yeah, that role-playing games. I don't know. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel I get what you're saying, and I agree. That it's very randomized, but I, I don't know if it's like full roguelike. I feel like is giving it a little too much credit. It had okay. Well, then let's say it had, it had some some wisps of it. It had kind of the precursor to what that that is, that idea is. I think exactly seventy seven because you so, because you you start from scratch. It, I mean, it it. I guess you you're not unlocking things as you go. Maybe that's. Right, seventy-seven percent sure. roguelike. Exactly. Exactly. Right. That's. I'll roll these seventy-seven dice that are next to me to figure out the exact amount per percentage point. There's. A, there's. I don't know why there's so many dice in this bag. Um, yeah. It's. So it's. It's got some elements of of roguelike games, which is fascinating, to me. Yeah. The way the game is set up is whereas in Star Fox you pick one of three routes. In this game, you kind of have an overworld map, in st- almost. In Star Fox, you are attacking Venom. In Star Fox 2, Venom is attacking you, and you are defending fending Corneria. So Star Fox 2 is the Russian development team. Cor- yes. Yeah. And in Star Fox 2, Venom attack you. Yeah, you're, you're defending it, and you fly around to intercept missiles that are flying towards the planet, and they're all... They're all demarcated on this map. I mean, it's essentially an overworld map, and you can either fly to a planet and attack one of the enemy bases, or you can fly into an enemy cruiser and attack the enemy cruiser, or you can attack a missile and intercept the missile, or you can attack a virus that's flying because there's a missile defense system in orbit around Corneria, and if these viruses reach the missile defense system, then it takes over the missile defense system, which then starts attacking Corneria, which then means you have to save it, basically. Um, and Corneria has, like, as like a gauge to show you how damaged it is. So if some missiles reach Corneria and you don't intercept them, it can take 5 or 10% damage or more. And the same with every other enemy thing. So while it is imperative and it's a prerogative to destroy these enemy bases, if you only focus on the enemy bases, Corneria will take a bunch of damage. And not only are these things moving while you're on the world map, but they're actually moving while you're in stages. So the timer, and I'm not sure exactly what the calibration ratio is, but let's say you spend too much time trying to destroy a boss in a level. While that's happening, you'll get updates from... Admiral General Pepper, whatever from 
from Corneria that say, hey, some missiles are real close to us. Hurry up. Or, hey, Corneria just get hit by missiles. What are you doing? And so you can enter a level with Corneria at 0%, and by the time you're out, it can be at 20 or 30%. So there's like a real-time strategy element to it. It's like a real-time strategy action game, kind of. Yeah, it kind of is. And that, I I think, is is super interesting. It I, gives you some urgency, and it gives you a, a lot of free reign. You can do anything in any order you want. I really dug the structure of the game. I thought that it was a really cool, weird thing that did not exist on the Super Nintendo. There wasn't anything like that. No way. So no, it absolutely was, not. So it was way, like I said, it was kind of way ahead of its time. And then the the I think the replayability from the game, the, what it's supposed to be, is you get scored on the end on everything. You get scored on the the different bases, if you destroyed all of the bases, how much damage Corneria had on it. If you destroyed Andros, apparently Andros can get away and you can still complete the game. If your wingman died, we can talk about that in just a second. Um, how many missiles hit Corneria, et cetera, et cetera. So then you'll get a score and then you'll get graded from F to A. And then I, the replayability is to get the highest score that you can. The problem for me... also. Also, different fighters that you can select. Sure. So that, okay, we can talk about that now. So that was another cool thing. They slightly tweaked how the, kind of how the game plays. So instead of having a number of lives and starting at the start of a stage and then moving on after each stage, in this game, you have a, you have two fighters that you choose one is your main character and one is your wingman. And they fly together throughout these levels and you can switch between them. And they have a, a shield that every time you get hit gets damaged. You can also replenish that shield. But if that shield ever gets completely depleted and they get shot again, their ship actually explodes. They, they're, they're dead. And you can then play as the wingman that you chose at the start of the game or you can, can quit and do a game over at that point. But basically, you get one life. You get one life per person, and you have to recharge shields, which leads to some really interesting things. Notably, in my in the mission that I ran, where I where I completed the game, I I had destroyed all of the bases. I killed the final carrier, and in this game, you can go back to the mothership in between missions to gain sh- your shields back. And I had Fox and Falco as my two characters, and Fox had like two points of shield left. I mean, he's basically dead. And I was flying back to the mothership and frickin' Star Wolf attacked me right at that moment and attacked Fox and killed me. So I had I lost Fox on the run that I actually beat the game on because Star Wolf attacked me at that point. And I imagine you probably didn't have a similar thing. I'm assuming Star Fox didn't attack you right before you Star Star Wolf, sorry. Star Wolf right you before know. you went to, to fight Andros. Actually the the end was kind of interesting because I do remember wanting to recharge my shields, but once you get to the last few things, it just directly Sends moves you, you from thing to thing. So I think it was when I destroyed the last carrier, I would have loved to recharge or do something, but once you destroy the last carrier, you automatically shoot over to Andros, and you fight the final base there. And there were that happened like two times, I think. Or maybe it was just that Star Wolf was right on top of me, but I, I thought near the end, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fast thing. So like, if you're already in bad shape, then you're gonna be in trouble. But I played as Slippy because I thought it was funny, and one of the women folk, um, because one of the get, random new characters that's in it. 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Fox and Falco are, you know, your balanced characters with decent shields, decent attack. But then Peppy and Slippy are tanks. So they have way more shields and way more attack, but they're slower. And then you can play as these, the some kind of, I don't even know what they are, a lynx and a wolf or something. I don't even know who they are. I don't remember their names. But um, they're really sexy if you're mm-hmm, a furry mm-hmm. or in, into furries or whatever. Yeah, you can tell. And yeah, and they're really fast, but have like no shields or weapons or something. So it's kind of like what the what's the point? I think I tried to play as one of them and Slippy, and then as the female pilot, I just died instantly. Great. So not not a fan of them. Um, but then as Slippy, he was a total tank. I mean, it just took damage all the time, and I was fine. Yeah. So, but I don't know if the speed affects the in-game timers or if that's talking about your booster in real time or what the speed exactly denotes i have i have no idea i mean none of that is explicitly stated anywhere they give you like a little tutorial at the very start the very first time that you play but other than that they don't there's not a lot explained which is fine games were like that i mean they probably there might be an instruction book there probably should have tried to access there is yeah you can do that with qr codes on the snes classic so, oh, so that's pressured on that. Yeah, a couple of other interesting things. There is a, there is like a random first person mode that you slip into, in, in this game. Um, when it specifically on levels where you're doing some dogfighting with other mm-hmm. ships, which was pretty disorienting, disorientating the first time, kind of the first time it happened. I got a little more used to it as it went on. It also had the. They basically had your R-Wing being able to turn into a tank or like a walker, which mm-hmm. which was the very... They obviously used that idea again in Star Fox 64 or used it more in Star Fox 64 to make the Landmaster tank uh, because that was kind of a... That was just a ground vehicle. And then, yeah. and then the more recent Star Fox game for the Wii U, I believe, had the walker as well, which is was the exact same walker type... Uh, as what's in Star Fox 2 here. And the controls are super interesting for it because the fight in Star Fox 1, it is an on-rails shooter. You start at a point, you fly forward, and you end at a point. There were there are these big like, kind of battle arenas that happen sometimes in Star Fox 2, specifically with like the tank, where you use L and R to kind of change the camera perspective to to strafe, basically, so that you can aim in different areas of like a 360 degree space it doesn't work that well but it's super ambitious with just a d-pad it just i disagree i think it works really well no it's it is so clunky it is so clunky i mean yeah it's clunky but it's a super nintendo game i mean it's that's not... that's what i'm saying i mean you don't like you don't have you don't have a second joystick to move the camera around if nintendo 64 camera controls were clunky this is super clunky to make these to make the camera work on this yeah, I, but I think they do a really good job of things like auto-aim. So if I'm in this tank running around and I'm shooting things and there's something with a slightly higher or lower altitude... It'll your, move your reticle. Yeah, your reticle will always automatically correct to fire at the right altitude, which I think is fantastic. It will. That was super cool. Also, the Y-axis is inverted in this game by default. That was definitely an appreciated thing. At least it was in my game. I don't know. Was it not in Star Fox 1? No, it probably wasn't Star Fox 1 as well, but that, I mean, that is obviously a better way to play all shooters is with an inverted Y-axis. 
Everybody knows Any that. Any space shooter, yeah, you no, play all with the shooters, y-axis. All shooters, you invert the y-axis. That's just how it works, and that makes if the game If you're playing better. Halo or Call of Duty on an inverted y-axis, then you're a monster and a freak <laughs> of nature. So, so, Star, so Star Fox 2 had these, hasn't had these cool things. Here's what I will say. My biggest criticism of Star Fox was that it was not fun to play because of the technical limitations. Star Fox 2 feels even more technically limited when you play it, in my opinion. It it slows down even more. There is even more visual noise on the screen. Did you happen to get one of the power-ups that made like an electrical field around your vehicle? No, that sounds awesome. So I got one of those things. It may... You can't see anything because of the way the animation of the of this electric field works. Like you, it literally makes it so you can't see anything. It's fantastic. It's did, great. Did you get this the General Pepper coins? I got a couple of them. I don't know. What do those do? I don't know. They restored my shields. That was a good thing. Oh, all right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. But but it's just technically a, a it's it's just a mess. It's a mess, and it's not fun to play much like Star Fox was even with all of these cool ideas and it's it's totally fine and fair to talk about all these awesome ideas that the game has that's great and they obviously used them in other stuff it's just not a fun game to play and other stuff not limited to the Star Fox franchise right. I mean I read an interview or something that some of the elements of Super Mario 64 were tested in this game like even just jumping on switches and <laughs> moving your- platforms with yeah, your tank has to jump on switches to open doors in a Star Fox game. It, yeah. was, it was super weird. And sometimes there's like switches that are on moving platforms that you have to kind of jump on and do timing and stuff with. I mean, it's it's there's some like platforming elements yeah, in and Star Fox. And let's be honest, right? They're freaking awful. They are awful in this game. They but, are hard. But they're they're hard because of the limitations of the game, not because... Because of the limitations of the game. Right. So this is where I'm going to diverge from your review of the game significantly and this may be controversial to some i really enjoyed star fox 2 really like i've played through it twice really i played it i played normal and i just beat it on hard mode i got a d both times so i'm not very good at it but the technical limitations in star fox i think prevent you from doing well in a game that is not it does not have a good difficulty balance or curve and i think that star fox 2 found a way to adapt a little bit and compensate for like nintendo knows okay cool well in this scene you're going to get 15 frames a second which is insanely slow so what we're going to do is we're going to add some auto aiming things and we're going to make sure that you're not moving really, really quickly with 50,000 things flying at you. Um, I just found the experience more handleable, and you can adjust your speed. So one other thing we didn't talk about is when you're assaulting a lot of these bases, you can either stay as an R-wing or press the select button and turn into that walking tank. When you're that walking tank, you have a lot more control, and you can go at whatever pace you want, but it doesn't go nearly as fast as the R-wing. So... There's a built-in challenge there, like a micro built-in challenge for every mini stage and every carrier to, well, I can go in the R-Wing and fly real fast like I did in the other games, and it's going to be challenging, and hopefully I won't kill myself, but it rewards you by, you know, you aren't counting down the clock on the timer as fast. 
So I think there are so many variables from the pilots you choose to the route that you take to the priorities that you make to what you're attacking and how and what vehicle you're using and all these other things combined with the fact that there are three difficulty levels, normal, hard, and expert, and the game is different every time with the roguelike elements that you talk about. I just think that there's a lot of replayability. And the pilots, I mean, I cannot do anything unless I'm slippy, basically, or or peppy. Sure. Like, the later pilots, I just die. So it just doesn't work for me. So there's so many levels. Like, if I were a kid, I feel like the replayability would have been insane. And I've played through it twice, and I'm, I might try it one or two more times. Keeping in mind again, like you said, I mean, you you really do get a lot of crap on the screen and everything, but I just I just think it's tuned better in terms of the difficulty and the balance and the pace and and everything about it than the first Star Fox game. So I I I actually give Star Fox two two thumbs up. And I mean that's totally fine. You are entitled to your incorrect opinion, but it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. Like I said, for me, it's just not enjoyable to play. And and no matter how many good ideas end up in your game, kudos to those to those good ideas. And hopefully you can use them in a way in a different game later on that might be more fun to play. But it's just, if it's not a fun game to actually be playing, I just, I don't like it. I, and I, I just, I felt the same way about Star Fox 2 that I did about Star Fox 1. It just wasn't that fun to play. Yeah, I'll say there are some frustrating things, but yeah, there were there were very few points where I was like, "Oh, I'm dying because of unfair, stupid things," and I think that that gives it a leg up on Star Fox One. I would say that it, I would say that at, at minimum, the experience was better in the sequel than it was for the original Star Fox. I will agree with you that it is a better game than Star Fox One. I do agree with you there. It still was not that enjoyable. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, great. Well, I've got a couple. Trivia questions for you because we are copying Game Life Balance Australia. Just kidding. I do trivia on my other podcast too. Curiosity Podcast. Check it out. I get paid to do it um, sometimes. That's your, your real uh, job. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a real job. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I, I think I had this idea for us to do like some trivia questions related to these games. I don't know if like we want to swap doing it or both do questions each week, but I just picked a few questions for this week and we'll... We'll talk offline about what to do from here. So I have three questions for you. Okay. Are they multiple choice? Are you ready? Uh, no. Okay. All right. First one's kind of a softball. This relates to Star Fox 2. Which member of the Star Wolf team was originally a member of the Star Fox team? I'm going to say Star Wolf. No. Pigma Dengar. It was Pigma? It was the pig Pigma. dude? Yeah. That guy was a jerk, and he attacked me multiple times, actually, when I played the game. What? You didn't kill him? No. There was one time I did oh. not kill him the first time, and then he attacked me again in, in a different encounter. Wow. My favorite thing about Pigma in Star Fox 2 is that he, is that he, he says something like, I, you know, I'm here to get you, Star Fox. Let me show you my talent. That's his taunt. That sounds like a very, that sounds like a very poorly translated. <laughs> I, I just, you know, it's some good English. I just love the idea of him saying, let me show you my talent. I like it. All right. All right. Second question. This one's a little outside the box. There's an enemy R-Wing hidden in the code of a major main series video game published by Nintendo, but it's not a Star Fox game. What game was it? Okay. So 
a hidden Arwing enemy in the code of a game? Yeah. I mean, you may have seen videos or screenshots of an Arwing flying around a game where it clearly does not belong because it's not a Star Fox game. It's a major Nintendo franchise game. Which one is it? I'm going to say it's the Donkey Kong franchise. No, I'll give you a hint. It The Arwing, there's an enemy in this game that has a movement pattern similar to an Arwing. So it was put in this game during development to just kind of mimic that and build the, the model off of. And the Arwing was just left in the code. Maybe Metroid? No. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Really? Yeah. Volvaga, the fire temple monster is actually the the yeah the random movements are modeled off of some Arwing that's thing super weird yeah <laughs> yeah all right final trivia question this one is also going to be hard star fox 2 is not the only canceled star fox game believe it or not another star fox game was showcased as a tech demo at the consumer electronics show in 1995 that's one of the canceled or non-existent Star Fox games. Uh-huh. And Nintendo announced that the third game was in development in 2002, but that game was never heard from again, ever. Never mentioned. Right. So my, the question is, what console was the 1995 Star Fox tech demo developed for? And for what console or platform was the 2002 game announced? I, I want to say the one for 2002 was done for the GameCube. Continue. And the one in, let's say... I didn't even, I don't know. Virtual Boy? Correct. Is that right? Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy was correct. Uh, The 2002 game, no. So really close, actually. When Star Fox Assault was announced in 2002 for the GameCube, alongside that, they announced a Star Fox arcade game that they were developing with Namco. Yeah, and it was never mentioned again, ever, or anything like nintendo released one image of concept cover art for it and it never that was it I mean, that's it, like a, it's, it could that. be a t- perfect arcade game and like it just sit in a cockpit type thing and do yeah right yeah it'd be perfect for that one would think so but anyway well there's a star fox trivia well you got we'll give you i mean credit uh, full, for, wait, full i'll give marks. you full credit full for marks <laughs> yeah, full we'll, marks we'll, we'll give you full marks uh so yeah and that, that wasn't intended to be a blatant ripoff of Game Life Balance Australia. No, because ours wasn't multiple choice. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Ours was much harder. Ours is a much more difficult trivia, obviously. Yeah, it obviously. uses real, totally real brain power. Yeah. Can't just... So we've done a pretty uh, much a full episode of, of these um, reviews. I don't know if you want to talk about retrospective for a minute. Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll tease it real quick. So I just started it. Um, the very first episode is up. You can find it on GameLifeBalance.us. It is a podcast series that I'm going to do I outlined kind of this project that I'm going to be on for the next year, just a self-imposed project for myself. This next year, I'm not going to be playing any... My plan is to not really play any contemporary games of any kind, kind of single-player experiences. I'm I'm giving myself an out for Heroes of the Storm because I, I like to just pick up that game and play a match or two here or there. But I am just going to play retro games from... I'm keeping myself 32-bit era and earlier, so PlayStation era and earlier... I don't know if I'll play anything from the PlayStation era, but I'm at least giving that as an option if I want to. And the first game that I played, I'm also playing through all of the Final Fantasy games. That includes games beyond the PlayStation era. I just, I, I've always wanted to play through the Final Fantasy games one through whatever they're up to in order. So I'm doing that as well. I start went ahead and started that. And the first game that I played fulfilled both of the 
um, both of the requirements in that it is both a retro game and the first Final Fantasy game. It's the original Final Fantasy. You can find that episode, and it's just me talking for 15 to 30 minutes about one of those games. And I've got some ideas about where I want it to go kind of in the future, but I'm currently playing through Final Fantasy 2. I'm like two-thirds of the way through it, I would say, something like that. That game's weird as hell, um, and you'll be able to hear my thoughts about that coming up once I finally complete it. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm super excited about it. And uh, yeah, yeah, and those are I just going to get posted. Those are going to get posted. My my idea is to record basically immediately after I finish, while the game is still very fresh in my mind. So they'll be posted on a completely irregular basis. No idea when they'll come up, but you'll still get Game Life Balance US on the regular biweekly basis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We will. We are back biweekly, and again, I'll occasionally be streaming with. Casey, SNES Classic, Coffee with Casey. We may have special guests as well because some games are multiplayer, and I know that at least our friend Russian John, who's been on the podcast before, will probably want to play Secret of Mana with me because Secret of Mana is a phenomenal game. And speaking of Secret of Mana, so here's so John and I have discussed the schedule for for reviewing these games. There are four of the games on the SNES Classic Mini are role playing games. Earthbound, Final Fantasy III, Secret of Mana, and Super Mario RPG. All all relatively long ones as well. Long, yeah. These are going to take more than 10 hours minimum yeah. to beat. So, you know, the idea is to review a new SNES Classic game every couple weeks, but that's going to be hard to do with the RPGs. So we'd like to know the RPGs ahead of time so that we can kind of get a start on them, I guess, a little bit. Uh, or have a little bit extra time, or if we know that we're, you know a review is going to come up, then we'll kind of know to do that. So we ran a poll because polls on Twitter can have up to four results uh, or up to four options, and so yeah, why not? So we ran a Twitter poll to see what role playing game we will be reviewing on the podcast first, and I believe based on our schedule, we'll be reviewing this the first episode in January 2018, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's right. Yeah, so January 12th, I believe. And the first role-playing game that we will review for the SNES Classic Mini is, according to our 15 votes on our Twitter poll, Super Mario RPG. I am... First of all, I voted, and I voted for Super (laughs) Mario RPG. I I will start off by saying you could not go wrong with any four of these RPGs. I am so excited because I have not played this game in forever. Like, the other the other three games on that list I I have played actually relatively recently because they're all available in various forms. Earthbound I played on the Wii U. Final Fantasy VI I've played <laughs> everywhere because that's available everywhere. Right. Um, and Secret of Mana is actually available on iOS and is a decent version of that game. So I've screwed around with that a little bit. But I, you, Super Mario RPG is not available anywhere. And it's, it is... The game that started all of the Paper Mario stuff, all of the Mario and Luigi stuff. I mean, this is where the, all of that started. I'm super pumped. I will say that I did not vote because Twitter didn't give me the option. And if I had voted, it would have been for Secret of Mana. And if I had voted for Secret of Mana, then it would have been tied with Mario RPG. So technically, we should like flip a coin or something. Nope, I think but it's Super Mario RPG. Since we already talked about it, that's fine. We'll do Mario RPG. Not that I have anything against the game. It is a phenomenal game. It was developed, co-developed by Nintendo and Square Enix, and it is really fun and good. And as you said, all the games on this list are extremely critically acclaimed. So 
We're going to start working on Mario RPG. So you may see that on my stream at some point. In a month. But, in a month, we'll be recording that episode. Yeah, in a, in a month, in a month. But for our next episode, coming out in two weeks. We took nominations. We did. We did. And the way we're going to do it from now on for all the other games, we'll do the Twitter poll and you'll vote for an RPG. But otherwise, if you got a game, nominate. Just throw it out there. And we got five nominations this week for the next game that we're going to play. And the nominations, the nominees are... Super Castlevania 4. Super, Super Castlevania, Castlevania 4. 4. That's the second one. Super, Super Castlevania 4 is the third. That's weird. That's that's really bizarre. Nominated three, six times? Got nominated six times. All right. So we've got Super Metroid, Street Fighter 2, Super Castlevania 4, Super Mario Kart, and Donkey Kong Country. Again. You know, somebody did nominate the legend of zelda a link to the past the first week so we could just keep that and then roll a six-sided die put that on there and make it a six-sided die if that's already been nominated i would say uh i would say no i think if you 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 know you you put up the the nomination tweet you give people the chance for the the coming week i mean that's just at some point we're gonna have to start parrying these down and be like hey you can't nominate these things but let's stick to the five that were nominated for this week on this tweet how does that sound uh, yeah, that works. So, so for a, uh, I've got the list in front of yep. me. So, so six will be a reroll, right? Because that's we only have five. Yep, I like it. So six will be a reroll. One. So we've got um, one is super. So one is Super Metroid. Super Metroid. Two is Street, two Fighter, is Street two. Fighter Two. Yep. Three is let's make three Mario Kart because four should be Super Castlevania Four because there's a four in the title, yep. and then five will be Donkey Kong Country. All right, that sounds good to me. Are you ready? So the only problem is that I can't see you, so I don't know if you're going to rig this. Well, here. How about this? Here. Oh, you're going to move the camera. Oh, this is high production work It is, right except here. the camera core isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody watching on YouTube, this is just absolutely ridiculous You got looking. a good... Wow, okay. look at that. Okay, here we go. All right. I'll give John the screen. What is... Move the camera. I'm working on it. Is that a four? I swear to God. I'm not kidding. That's literally what I rolled. <laughs> All right, so I guess we're going to do Super Castlevania 4. Hey, the joke just is that, in time for Halloween. <laughs> the joke is that some idiot named John said, oh, it'll be a great game to review for Halloween, knowing that our first episode wasn't coming out until after Thanksgiving. It was after Thanksgiving, that's, Thanksgiving. Fine. that's right. Wow, so it's Super timely. Castlevania 4. Wow. I think justice is served. I think that's basically what... You know what's, you know what's going to be really disappointing? Is that we're going to play this game, and I'm going to, I'm going to have a nostalgic feeling about it that i i loved it when i was a kid and we're gonna play it and i'm gonna be like what is this garbage this just is not fun so i'm hoping i'm wrong i'm hoping it's still a great game as great as i remember it being we'll find out wow (laughs) Wow. if anything if anything let's make sure we crank the music because you know it's got good music wow that's so the literal opposite of what i would have said do you know that i specifically have never played this game because I dislike the music arrangement so much. I'm not kidding. This is so good for you. This is going to be such a great this is going to be such a great time. I owned all three Castlevanias on NES and I played Castlevania Symphony of the Night so much I actually have a VHS tape of me playing it. It was a Let's Play video essentially from 2001 that is now on our YouTube channel by the way. I am a huge Castlevania fan. But I hate Castlevania 4's music so much, I have never played it. Well, now will be your first time. It's going to be great. 
I will be playing it on mute so, or low. So, or just and play, ex- trying or, to explain to Casey what is going or on. Or you can just this play the soundtrack from a, like a different Castlevania game while. I actually, actually, I got into the Castlevania series because of Napster because I accidentally downloaded a, a couple of the tracks from Symphony of the Night. Liked the music so much, I bought Symphony of the Night. Wow. And then became a diehard Castlevania fan. So, uh, yeah, so, you're welcome, Sean. A way to go, Sean illegal, <clears throat> illegal piracy. Sean, Sean Napster. Parker. Sean Napster. Sean Sean Penn. <clears throat> Sean Sean Penn Napster. Um, so, listener, you will hear what we will be working on then, which you will be able to hear us talking about uh, over over Twitter or mostly over Twitter for tweeting at each other. We're going to be playing Castlevania over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll probably also be playing Super Mario RPG over the next couple of weeks on kind of the off time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'll be trying desperately to get through Final Fantasy 2. That game is its really hard to have any idea where to go. You'll hear about it. Um, yeah, it'll be good. Good. It'll be yeah. good. It'll be good. I like this. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, this was a wonderful episode of Game Life Balance US that really flew by, and then we 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 didn't really talk about our life stuff at all. So we'll just have to give a little catch up after the holidays or something. Um, I will say that it's pretty easy to balance one's gaming life with Star Fox and Star Fox Two. So if you can stomach these games, then they're good to pick up and play and be done with it in an hour. I think we'll have more time in the next couple of well, I mean from from here on out because this was we did two episodes or we did mm-hmm. two games in one episode this time so yeah um I you know it's only going to be one from here on out so I think that yep. you, we can see the episodes are going to be a little shorter and we will have some more time for some life stuff if you're actually interested in our lives at all god knows why you would be yeah I'm just glad that the next game is something that won't be hideous for Casey to look at that's because Star Fox is really ugly. It's really ugly. It's literally triangles. It's like four. And Arwing is four triangles. Literally triangles. Pixels the size of bumper cars. Bumper cars.